0: Bobby, you ready for this one? All right, check it out. Here you go. He was not only born in a preacher's family in Massachusetts in 1737. Were you there? No. Okay, good answer. You're paying attention. Okay, but listen to this one of his childhood friends, John Adams, was actually baptized by his dad, the preacher. Pretty cool. And then later he goes to Harvard that was originally founded by Reverend John Harvard, boy has that changed, where he earned a bachelor's degree and then after that he began working for his uncle who was a merchant during the French and Indian War. And he not only became a successful merchant himself, but he became one of the wealthiest men in all the American colonies. But it was the increasing conflict with high taxes and an oppressive form of government with Great Britain that led this man to get involved into politics. And so soon he emerged as a leading political figure in Boston, and he joined the resistance. And his political party was simply called, listen, Patriots. Pretty cool. Okay, not the football team. Don't get out. Okay. And the next thing you know, listen, this man was not only using his political power to help free people from an oppressive form of government, but from the shackles of sin through Jesus Christ. Listen, this is in our country folks while he was governor of massachusetts He actually requested the people the whole state to quote contribute your abilities money public securities and other property Why for the propagation of the gospel among the indians and others in north america? And then later he encouraged the whole state to pray quote for the universal happiness to be established in the world That all may bow before the scepter of our lord and savior jesus christ and the whole earth be filled for it with his glory How would you like to have that for a governor? Today okay and even in his will he made it clear where his real treasure lie quote being advanced in years and a perfect mind I give my soul into the hands of God who made it and my body to the earth and that at the general resurrection I shall receive mercy and power from God through Jesus Christ And to this day, he is listed in the annals of American history as a faithful soldier, a patriot, a general of the militia, a public official, a statesman, a governor, the member of a Continental Congress, and the first signer of the Declaration of Independence. In fact, as the story goes, he reportedly wrote his name so big just to make sure that King George could read it without his glasses on. The man with the big signature, of course, is John Hancock. Wow how many guys knew he was a christian okay interesting stuff okay not only that but i'd say how many guys would say that john hancock he he lived a pretty cool life as a christian right god used him to affect the course of a whole nation wouldn't that be cool if somehow we could do that today do we need some folks like that or what big time and folks that's the problem we've got a problem okay what we're seeing in our studies even though god's the same god and we're just as much his children as john hancock was what's going on today in the american church most of us Christians, we read the Bible in one hand, we take a look at our life in the other, and we're going, what's going on here? There's a disconnect. It's not matching up. It doesn't compute. How come these people like John Hancock, I'm a Christian too, how come he gets to live this amazing walk with Jesus Christ, and here I am, I'm fumbling around in the dark. I don't have this life worth living for. I got I got life for giving up. You ever been there? Folks, and this is the great news. It doesn't have to be that way. That kind of life, a life worth living for, like John Hancock had, to affect the course of a whole nation, can be had with you and I today. Once again, turn to somebody and say, hey, that means you. All three of you, thank you for participating. And that's why we're going to continue in our series, A Life Worth Living For. Now, what we're doing is taking a look at the different keys I believe are absolutely pivotal if we're going to have those amazing, fruitful walks With Jesus Christ like John Hancock now we've already seen if you've been tracking with us The first key was the understanding of experiencing God's joy the next 16 times We saw it was also experiencing his peace. Why because it's an incredible two-bang punch He's not only giving us salvation for free on top of that. He gives us his joy his peace Why so we could be a joyful example in this joyless world a peaceful example in this peaceless world And people see you and I going through the same hard times and they see that and what hey, can I have that? Where'd you get that? Right? And we get to lead them to Jesus. Okay? Then we saw the last four times, the third key was experiencing God's worship. Having that worshipful, thankful, grateful attitude with our mouth. Not the polar opposite of that, as we saw with some crybaby, whiny, complaining mouth. Okay? And the reason why we saw that's not good is because it's not a good advertisement for Jesus. Right? We see on the one hand, oh, come to Jesus. He's so good. He's so awesome. Ever since I've been saved, my life is so satisfied. He's all you need. And what are we doing five minutes later? Just like the rest of the world. And they're not dumb right they know the hypocrisy the duplicity of that right apparently jesus ain't working for you why do i need him okay and so we took a look at the harmful effects of a life of complaining we thought it affects you it affects others it affects the gospel and last time if you recall it affects god okay and the way that it does that in essence complaining says that if you will god is wrong excuse me as if god ever makes a mistake as if he doesn't know how to take care of us of course he does and then if you flip it around at the same time you're saying in essence satan is right And with your mouth, you're literally just joining him and shaking a fist at God saying, God, you're no good, you don't know. How many guys would say that's probably not a good thing to do? How many guys would say that leads to a spanky wanky from God, okay, let alone it ruins your witness. Hello, okay, it's not a life worth living for. But we're gonna do one more key, okay, and that fourth key to unlock, I believe, a life worth living for is simply this, folks. It is called experiencing God's fruit, okay? Experiencing God's fruit. And if you think about this, to me anyway, I think this is just common sense, right? I mean, think about it. if we're ever going to get around to living those lives that we keep reading about every single week at the beginning right for how many weeks we've been doing this all these real life christian examples if we're going to get around to living these lives that we keep reading about some christian did something in some history and wow it was so amazing and what, then guess what we got to do something about it right we have to be fruitful too okay in other words we have to be obedient to what god is calling us to do otherwise what you're wasting your time we have to have an attitude that longs for obedience to God to do what he says not think about it Not wish about it not delegate it to a committee I mean you guys realize that for God so loved the world. He did not send the committee He got somebody to get the job done. Okay. Okay. We need to have an attitude. We are going to obey God Okay Now don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. So open your Bibles to first Samuel 13 First Samuel 13 and we're gonna see what happens and you know when you don't obey God. It's not a good thing, okay? You need to rather have, as the scripture says, a heart after God, okay? And we're gonna explore that concept. First Samuel 13, if you got your Bibles there, verses one through 14, we're gonna take a look at what happened to King Saul. How did, how did uh, King Saul end up? Not too good, okay? And believe it or not, folks, it had to do with obedience, his attitude towards the commands of God, all right? Now, if you find uh, 2 Samuel, what do you do, Mario? Go back, go left, right on, that's a good answer, right on, i tell you why, that's right. Hey, give it up for uh, Mario's uh, mom and uh, stepdad visit us today, hey, yay. And while we're at it, we got some special guest stars as well up here on the front row. I got my brother, my sister, my uh, brother-in-law uh, up here on the front row, that's right. And we got Earl from North Carolina, no, I'm just kidding, let's get going on. First uh, Samuel 13, let's take a look. First Samuel 13, verses one through 14, the importance of obedience, okay? And you see that on the negative side, what happens when you're not obedient, but let's take a look. Verse one there says this, Saul was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned over Israel. How many years? 40 years, 42 years. Okay. And then uh, Saul chose 3000 men from Israel. 2000 were with him at Michmash in the hill country of Bethel and a thousand were with Jonathan at Gibeah in Benjamin. And then the rest of the men he sent back to their homes. Now, Jonathan, he attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba and the Philistines heard about him. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear, so that all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become a what? A stench to the Philistines, and the people were summoned to join uh, Saul at Gilgal. So let's get the battle going. All right, here we go. Well, listen to how the Philistines reacted, though. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with, listen, remember they had just 3,000 guys. Philistines assembled 3,000 chariots, with 6,000 charioteers and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. How many guys would say they're outnumbered? You guys are hooked on math, that's good. Right. Then they went up and camped to Michmash, east of beth Now, when the men of Israel saw that their uh, situation was critical <laughs> and that their army was hard pressed, they what? the spirit of chickenitis got all over them they hid in caves man and thickets and among the rocks and the pits and the cistern literally holes in the ground they're hiding out in fact some of the hebrews crossed over to the jordan in the land of gad and gilead they went awol okay now so saul though he remained at gilgal and all the troops with him they were what quaking with fear they're scared to death and he waited seven days for the time when samuel okay the prophet the priest okay to come but samuel did not come to gilgal and so saul's men began to what Scatter so he said, all right, uh uh, Bring me the burnt offering Saul said and the fellowship offering and so Saul offered up the burnt offering just as he finished making the offering Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. And what did Samuel say? What have you done? When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Mikmash, I thought, oh boy, we'll get to that later. Isn't that the problem? Instead of just doing what God says to do, okay, just do what He says. What do we, uh, uh, but uh, uh, those two deadly words, I thought. No, you do. That's what you need to do. Just you do, Not I thought. Okay, but that's another sermon, okay? Now the Philistines, though, will come down against me, he says there. I thought they're going to come down against me at Gilgal, and and I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled to offer the burnt uh, uh, offering. But Samuel said, what? You acted... Foolishly why because you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you if you had he would establish your kingdom Over Israel for all time, but now your kingdom will not endure The Lord has sought out a man after what after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have what? He says it a second time. What's the whole reason why he lost his kingdom? You have not kept the Lord's command Okay The whole context of this passage is the problem with Saul and the problem with King Saul The reason why he lost his kingship is because he did not obey God And so God needed to get the job done. So God specifically sought somebody out. Here's the phrase after his own heart Of course, that's who King David as we know, okay And he knew that King David would obey because he had a heart after God Now we know that King David wasn't perfect turn to somebody and say praise God. That's good news because do you realize that God uses us in spite of us, myself included, okay? Now, David wasn't perfect, okay? And that's good news for you and I, but David was still labeled with this amazing, how, how, wouldn't this be cool if we had this label? There's Bobby. Yeah, he blows it a lot, but you know what? He's, he's a man after God's own heart, right? Wouldn't that be, all, Cheryl, 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 man, she's, yeah, of course, yeah, she's getting going. She's a woman after God's own heart. I mean, I mean wouldn't that be the, the label you'd want to have? And and that's what God had with King David. Why? Because, listen, he wasn't perfect. But, listen, the general course of his life was obedience to God. He wasn't perfect, but he wanted to be obedient to God. He longed to be obedient to God. He encouraged others to be obedient to God. He took heat when he was obeying. When people made fun of him, he says, no, I will be obedient to God. Even when somebody else wanted to uh, do what he could do, he says, no, listen, no, I'm going to make the sacrifice. I will be obedient to God. To god not just once in a while listen not just when times were tough not just when david wanted something from god in return but the general course of his life was he longed to be obedient to god now here's the whole point this is why it's common sense to me this is why i believe king david bore so much fruit for god I mean, think about it. This is why he did so many amazing things for God. It's because of his heart. And it was his heart to specifically wanted to be obedient to God, to do what he said at all costs. He had a heart after God. And so it is today, right? We read all these exploits about King David. Whoa, we read all these exploits about these positive examples in the Scripture. Wow, wouldn't we? Could... What's the common thread? They did what God told them to do. And so it is today. And so it is with the people we keep reading about every single week. This is the key. If you want to experience a life worth living for, if you want to experience a fruitful life for Jesus Christ, making a difference with what little time we have, then you have to have a heart that longs to be obedient to God, a heart after him. And so if we're going to have those hearts that are after God, I think we better take a look at how to get those obedient hearts. How about you guys? Hey, good answer. We're going to do it anyway. Okay, but thanks for tracking with me. Uh, the first thing we need to have, folks, is what I call an appreciative obedience. An appreciative obedience. Okay, and the point with this is, in other words, one that sees the value in obeying God. Because haven't you heard it from some folks? Especially like when you're like talking with teenagers, or, but some adults, unfortunately, can have this attitude too. But you're talking about, hey, do it God's way, whatever. And they, what do they think? They well, I don't want to become a Christian now because if I do that, I'm going to miss out on so much. What? <laughs> what? How I many you guys got burned living like that, right? All of God's commands are for our good, but that's the mentality. They don't see the value in obeying God, okay? And I believe God went way out of his way in the Scripture to make sure that you and I really got this point. His way is the best way. Just do it. In fact, let's say that. His way is the best way Just do it, okay, and I believe he let us know this repeatedly in the scripture and the first example I think is through his people the Israelites Okay, his people the Israelites right from the get-go folks When you read the Old Testament if you take a look at the people of Israel listen right after God brought them out of Egypt Right and what's the context? He delivered them and he delivered them out of a horrible life of slavery and oppression Which by the way again is the fruit of living the world's way you want to live with the world you want to party with the pigs you what? You end up eating pig slop anybody ever learned that the hard way all right they were in bondage and god delivers them out of that but listen he didn't just promise them their own land but if you look at the context right after he gets them out of bondage and slavery he delivers them what's the next thing he does he immediately encourages them to obey his commands in the land why because god's always trying to ruin your fun no okay so he wanted them to live a fantastic life in the land because again, all his commands are for our good. Let's take a look at all the blessings that you could have that the Israelites were promised. Would you it, all, Listen, listen. You, I'm not asking you to memorize. You know, I'm not asking you to take calculus. How many you guys like calculus? Yeah, you guys don't. Do you too? I knew my brother and my brother love it. But anyway, let's, let's skip over. Right? <laughs> I'm not asking you to learn calculus. I'm not asking you to do something. This, all you got to do is obey me. You just obey me. Listen, I'm going to give you all this stuff. I mean, he really spices it up. Let's take a look at that passage. This is Deuteronomy 28 1 through 10. If you fully obey the Lord, notice fully, you got a heart. I'm, I'm into this thing, not casual. And carefully follow his commands I give you to say. listen to all the blessings just from obeying God the Lord God will set you high above the nations of the earth you'll be blessed in the city you'll be blessed in the country the fruit of your womb will be blessed uh, the crops of your land your livestock will be blessed the basket and the kneading trout will be blessed okay you'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out the Lord's gonna grant that the enemies who rise up against you they're gonna be defeated before you listen they're gonna come at you from one direction but they're gonna flee from you in seven the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything you put your hands to the lord will grant you abundant prosperity he'll open up the heavens the storehouse of his bounty he'll send rain on your land in season to bless all the work of your hands you'll lend money to many nations but you're not going to borrow from none you got plenty the lord will make you the head not the tail you'll always come out on top never on the bottom if you obey god and then listen all the peoples of the earth will see that that you are called by the name of the lord and they will actually fear you now folks i don't know about you but i'm kind of getting the idea that there's a great Price for obeying God, right? I mean, there's a great benefit. I mean, talk about a source of blessing. I mean, who wouldn't want to have that in your life? Anybody? All you got to do is obey. That's it. You don't have to go to college for that. You didn't have to take a seminar for that. You didn't have to just obey God. That's all you had to do. And, and notice there in the last there, it wasn't just for them it was that in their obedience they were to be a light and a witness to the world and this is what the israelites missed god called them to be a light unto the gentiles the non-jewish people the rest of the planet okay he wants all people to be saved and he wanted the israelites and their obedience to show the world the same lesson god's way is the best way just do what he says number one get saved but then live a life this side of heaven you're not guaranteed a perfect life but if you want the best possible life this side of heaven then just do what god says and he wanted the israelites to show the world this living example okay and so it is today in fact so much so that god also flipped it around he didn't just say here's the positive side if you obey me okay israel but he warned them listen of what would happen if you don't it's called this lesson you ever learn this one you reap what you sow right you want to play with the world you want to live like the world you want to act like the world you're going to get the world's fruit, and it's not good. And this is what God says. Now finish the rest of the passage, Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 47. However, key word there. If you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will also be cursed. The crops of your land, the calves of your herd, the lambs of your flock, they're going to be cursed too. You're going to be cursed when you come in, cursed when you go out. The Lord is going to rebuke everything you put your hand to. Nothing ever seems to work out. You'll be plagued with diseases, fever and inflammation. You'll be scorched with heat and drought and blight and mildew. Uh, The sky overhead is going to be bronze. The ground beneath you, iron. The Lord's going to cause you to be defeated before your enemies. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds of the air, the beasts of the earth, and nobody's going to be there to frighten them away. You're going to be unsuccessful in everything you do. Why isn't it working? How come nothing ever transpires? You're gonna build a house, but you're not gonna live in it You're gonna plant a vineyard, but you're not even gonna enjoy its fruit In fact, you're gonna sow a whole bunch of seed in the field But you're gonna harvest little because the bugs are gonna come and get it the locusts, okay? In fact, you're gonna have olive trees throughout your country But you're not gonna use the oil because he's gonna make the olives drop off The alien who lives among you will rise above you higher and higher But you're gonna sink lower and lower and he will lend to you, but you will not lend to him You're gonna be a slave to debt. He will be the head. You're gonna be the tail. Why? Because you did not obey the Lord your God. Listen joyfully and gladly in the time of what? Prosperity and observe the commands and the decrees that he gave you Now isn't that the unfortunate thing that we do even as Christians today It's crazy man when God blesses us When he gives us those good times when we finally make it through those hard times, and here we are, man, here we are, we're, we're hitting that limit, it, things are prosperous, and I'm not just talking uh, financially, I mean, it's just spiritually prosperous, so things are, things are finally starting to go well. What's our tendency? We have a tendency to slack off in our walk with Jesus, don't we? And then we treat him like a big old idol. Then sure enough, we go back to being disobedient, and then we put the little Jesus idol on our shoulder. Oh, I guess it's time to get serious. And then sure enough, he's gracious to us. He delivers us out of that, right? But the little idol, hey, hey. And then here comes another hard time, right? Because what are we doing? We start slacking out and we start doing that seesaw. Are, is anybody tired of that? You know what the way out is? Obey God. Just obey him. Just do what he says. But notice how things went downhill and then went downhill fast. When you what? When you disobey God. Why? Because you reap what you sow. It's not God's fault. It's, it's ours. How many times is he going to tell us when you act and live the world's way, you're going to reap the world's fruit, which is rotten stuff and destruction and you get burned. How many times has God got to tell us, right? Do we not listen? Do we not value? Do we not appreciate his commands? There's not one that's bad for us. They're all for good. Now, before we cop on the Israelites, because that's the context ultimately there in Deuteronomy. Again, what is our attitude when you start talking about our need to be much more obedient than we are to God? Oh, come on. What, do you, what, what are you, one of those legalistic preachers? Who, I mean, who, who do you think you are? I mean, come on, man, this is no big deal. Let's go. I mean, would you just get back and tell me how to be a better me? I need to learn how to be financially successful, right? My self esteem is really low. Can't you build that? I mean, the moment you start talking about just basic obedience to God, you get labeled this, oh, you're one of those churches. <laughs> what? Legalistic? What are you talking about? God's commands are all for our good. What's that got to do with legalism? Name one command that's bad for us. None. And it's my job as a pastor, as a shepherd, and so it is for every shepherd, to not just teach you that which is good, I need to lovingly warn you of that which is bad. And if a life that leads you in the bad way, the world's way, leads to destruction, what kind of a pastor am I in if I keep my mouth shut about it? Is that the shepherd that loves the sheep? Or is that the hireling who could give us a rip? As Jesus says in John chapter 10, we're the one that's hurting ourselves, folks. It has nothing to do with legalism. We're inviting rotten stuff into our life. Okay, why would we do that? Rather, what we need to have, and frankly, dare I say, after being saved for a while, we need to get back to having that appreciative heart that longs to obey God. We need to get back. Remember that first time when you got a Bible? (laughs) yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I got it. This is so exciting. I finally, the way out of this mess, this torment, this rotten life. Yeah, it's all right here. All I got to do is read it and do it. Remember that? I think sometimes in the church over time we need to recapture that. Like this tribe did when they first got their first Bible ever. Watch their response. This is cool.
1: <laughs> Oh, we need we need to the you? Who are you? Who are
0: La maman, 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 la
1: maman,
0: la maman, la maman, la maman, la
1: maman, la maman, la maman, la maman, Ane orang laana akan keep kendi, keeplah na Nous disons que nous avons été en train de nous faire des choses. Nous avons été en train de nous faire des choses. Nous avons été en train de nous faire des choses. Nous avons été en train de
0: I'll say it again. Remember that day? When you got your first Bible? When you first got saved? Here's mine. Two weeks after I was saved, some guy showed up to the warehouse that I worked at and gave me this Bible. Two weeks after I'm saved. It's my preaching Bible. Finally. I remember, man, I don't know about you, but when I got saved and all the dark and junk and yuck that I was going through and all the lies and the occult. There was such a relief to not only have all my sins forgiven, but there was such a relief, a tearful relief that finally, I know now the truth. And I don't have to go barking up this tree or that one or this one, try this religion or that one and this and nothing ever works out. Nothing was frustrating. I had the truth. Can you believe it? It's all written down for me. The whole shebango in a book. And all i got to do is just read it, absorb it, and what? Be tortured? No, be blessed. Name one command that's bad for us. They're all for our good. Now, my question is, are we still that excited about God's word? I mean, Do you see those people, how they reacted? Oh, no, not this again. Come on. Are you kidding me? Hey, hurry. Hey, hey, hey. There's a game on. Chop, chop. Oh, he's going meddling today. No, they're dancing up and down, excited. Woo! I mean, do we still do that? What? Pastor Billy started a new, new study on Wednesday night. World religions, cults, and the alcohol.
1: Woo!
0: Yeah! I'm the golden. Right? I make the announcement, we leave the sanctuary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it ain't about me. I don't care what service you go to as long as it's biblical. But is that our mindset? Do we sing? Do we dance? Do we rejoice? Yeah, another church service. To learn what? More about God's word so I can be blessed. And if it's not, then maybe you need to ask yourself the question. Why is my life so messed up? Why isn't things working out? How come those guys, but I... Did you notice with the ladies, it wasn't just them, they were so excited? Now we have the truth, listen, not just for us, but we could learn this and we could what? Pass it on, pass it on to our kids, pass it on to our grandkids, do you see the benefit of that? Yeah, now everybody can get out of this mess, okay? But maybe it's time to ask yourself, hey, maybe this is why, you don't sit there, oh my God, maybe it's not God at all. He's already told us what to do. You party with the world? you get that fruit and it's horrible. You just simply do what I say because I love you and all my commands are your good. It's a much better way to go. Maybe you just need to get back to appreciate obedience to God and the blessings will flow again, amen? That's the first example. The second one is through his word. That was his people. Now, I don't have time to go all over the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, but bluntly, <laughs> Puts it that obeying God, hello, is the best thing you could ever do. Again, all His commands are for our good. I don't have time for that. We'd be here for a week just on that, okay? But I wanted to give you just a taste. Listen, just a taste of the benefits that you can receive. That's right, just from Psalm 119. This is just one psalm. Listen to all the benefits from God's word if you would just do what He has to say. Psalm 119, 1 through 171. Blessed knows is not tortured. Blessed Macarius means spiritually prosperous. Those who walk whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Okay? Not the world. Okay? They do nothing wrong. Uh, He keeps your way pure. Uh, You will not sin against God. You will live. Scorn and contempt is removed from you. Uh, You'll receive counsel. Your life is preserved. You get strengthened. You get protected from deceit. You get a shame-free existence. Your heart is set free. You get direction from God. You're protected from selfish gain and worthless things. Disgrace is removed from you. You get to finally answer those skeptics. You get hope. You walk about in freedom. You are comforted from God. It makes you want to sing. It keeps your mind on God. It gives you a grateful and thankful heart. You receive good things from God. It makes you wiser than your enemies. You get more insight than all your teachers. You get more understanding. Standing than the elders it keeps you from every evil path it lights your path it gives you a good heritage it brings joy to your heart it gives you refuge and it shields you it sustains you it upholds and delivers you it, you get discernment from obeying God it gives you delight and peace and you overflow from praise what what's the reason why you just simply obey God's Word you just did what he said now folks I've had to deal with this reality my family's here so you can talk to him after service and attest to this fact I get it. It's taken me a few years. I get it. I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer. I may be a few clowns short of a circus, a few fries short of a happy meal. I get it. The peas might have run out of my casserole a long time. The cheese slid off my cracker. I get that. My my intellect is only rivaled by garden tools and the wheels are spinning, but the hamster's done dead. I can't even pour water out of a boot with instructions on the heel. I get that. I I might only be as smart as fish bait. My chimney might be clogged. I might have forgotten to pay my brain bill. But listen, even I get the benefits of obeying just Psalm 119. Give me a break, right? I mean, this is one of the smartest things you could ever do. Who wouldn't want to have that in your life? Right? What do you got to do? Just obey God. Just obey God. And yet again, what's our attitude in the church? They, oh, come on, here you go again, making a, a big deal out of nothing. All right, So I'm not perfectly, listen, God loves me. He, he still loves me. It's no big deal. Uh, praise God he still loves us. Praise God our salvation is free and clear, that Jesus Christ did all the work for us. Praise God it's grace. I get that. But that's not the point. Once again, when you live and disobey God's commands and you live the world's way you are inviting trouble into your life in fact the Bible's even more clear than that God says you're inviting fire into your lap and this is what we see in Proverbs 6 27 through 29 can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned answer no, no. okay okay so you don't get that one how about the second metaphor uh, can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched No, okay? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished, okay? So according to the Bible, God says, you commit adultery, you sin, i.e. disobey God, you're gonna reap what you sow. You're gonna pay a horrible price. And by the way, what's the context? The context is sin, period. It's not just the sin of adultery. It's sin, period, okay? Bible says, it's just like setting yourself on fire and then whining, complaining, how did this happen? Oh, God, why is it? Hello? Who put the coals in your lap? Right? God's, who did it? And I've even heard people actually get mad at God. God, God. <laughs> what? You're the one that put the fire in your own lap. Why in the world would you do that to yourself? Is your chimney clogged? Did, did you forget to pay your brain bill too? Right? <laughs> what's God say just someone one nineteen. God's way is the best way obey him you get his blessings do you appreciate that do you value that as a Christian but if you want to live what I call a crispy critter Christian life which I don't recommend and get burned all the time mess after mess then live a disobedient life Folks, but why would you do that? That's not smart. That is the sign your cheese has slid off your cracker. Okay, like this lady. I'm not making this one up. I'm, let me state this. I am not making this up. This really happened. Ready for this one, Bobby? There's this 23-year-old lady. Her name was Lisa. And she was visiting her in-laws one day, and while she was there, she uh, went to a nearby supermarket to pick up some groceries. And so after her shopping, she returned to her car, and after a while, several people, though, noticed Lisa was sitting in her car with the windows rolled up and her eyes were closed, right? And she had both of her hands on the back of her head. True story, right? And so one customer uh, who had seen her for a while there in the store, he became concerned. He walked over to the car and he noticed that Lisa's eyes were now open, but she looked very strange. And so we asked her if, if, if she was okay and Lisa replied that through the window uh, that she'd been shot in the back of the head and she'd been holding her brains in for over an hour. Yeah. So obviously the man called the paramedics and who had to break into her car because the doors were locked because obviously Lisa refused to remove her hands lest her brain should fall out. And so when they finally got in, they found out that Lisa had a wad of bread dough on the back of her head. Apparently, a Pillsbury biscuit container had exploded from the heat, making a loud noise Pah! that sounded like a gunshot True story. And a wad of dough hit her in the back of the head. And when she reached back to find out what it was, she felt the dough, thought it was her brains, and she passed out. And then when she recovered, she immediately went, oh, put the brains back in. And she sat there for over an hour waiting for somebody to come to her aid. (sighs) Let's just close in prayer. No. (laughs) What? I'm not making that one up. Can you believe that? Now here's my whole point, okay. Before we cop on Lisa, I like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Are you serious? Right? How many times, listen, have we sat here in the pew, not the car? We sat in the pew, holding the back of our head spiritually, go, oh, why is my life in such a horrible mess? And we're waiting week after week after week, we're paralyzed. Somebody help me, please, put my brains back in. When the whole time, it's a spiritual blob of disobedience. That's all it is. And you don't need me, you don't need somebody. It's your heart. Just take that blob of disobedience off the back of your head and go, oh, that's all it was. funny me. (laughs) And go back to living a great life for Jesus. What are we doing? But don't, isn't that what we do? And you know what, God sees everything. I wonder if he sees that while we're sitting in the pew. Who's got the water to do? If you would just obey me, you can get rid of that, okay? And so this is the question. Do we have that obedient heart that can remove that spiritual blob, all right? Do we daily study God's word? Are we excited about Bible study? Are we hiding his word in our heart daily that we might not just not sin against him, but experience his blessings? And if we don't, then maybe we need to consider, again, the example of Psalm 119 and realize, folks, this is, might be why your life is full of exploding biscuits, Because we simply don't value obeying God and we actually act like his commands are not for our good okay the third and final one is through his leadership okay the example we see the value in obeying God and if ever there was to me a blunt way of God putting this truth in the heart it's got to be this one and I'm talking Old Testament I'm talking New Testament listen to this when God's leaders obeyed him not just the leader but everyone was blessed but when the leadership disobeyed God, everybody paid a horrible price. Now, let me give you just a couple examples of uh, this truth that we see in the scripture. Okay? First of all, 1 Samuel 3.1, David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul, what? Grew weaker and weaker. Why? Because David obeyed what, it's, uh, what did Saul do? He disobeyed, okay, but let's get more specific. 1 Kings 16, this is a bad example, okay, in 21. Ahab did what? More evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's a crazy phrase there, eyes of the Lord. Did you know that God sees everything? Did you know that God sees in the dark? So God watched what he did in his leadership, and he saw it all. And he, listen, he what? How'd you like to have this label? He did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Therefore, God said, here's what you get, buddy. Because you've sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, I'm gonna bring disaster on you. I'm gonna consume your descendants and cut them off every last male in Israel, slave or free. Now, here's a good example. 1 Kings chapter 18, Hezekiah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Wouldn't you like to have that label? That's a good one. Just as his father David had done, so what happened? And the Lord was with him, and he was successful in whatever he undertook. Here's the bad one. 2 Kings 21, Manasseh. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. Therefore, this is what the Lord, God said, I'm gonna bring such a disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I'm gonna wipe out Jerusalem as one wipes a dish wiping it. Turning upside down. I am done. I am through with you. Okay, 2 Kings 22. Josiah, a good example. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He walked in all the ways of his father David. He didn't turn to the right or the left. So God said this, because your heart was responsive, you humbled yourself with the Lord. You will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. He spared him from the judgment. Second Chronicles 10, a bad example. Rehoboam, he rejected the advice the elders gave to him. He listened to the young guys who'd grown up with him, okay, and were serving him. And then when Israel saw that the king refused to listen and they said what share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents O Israel, look after your own house O David. So all the Israelites went home if you're not familiar with that passage that's the day when the kingdom, the whole nation split because of one man's sin pride Lasted for centuries. Second Chronicles 17, here's a good one. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because in his early years, he walked in the ways of his father. David followed. He sought the God of his father and his commands. The Lord established the kingdom under his control. All Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat. He had great wealth and honor. Then he made sure other people got it too. He taught throughout Judah, taking them the book of the law of the Lord. And they went to all the towns of Judah, taught the people. The fear of the Lord fell on the kingdoms of the land surrounding Judah. And so they did not make war with Jehoshaphat. In fact, the Philistines brought him gifts of as tribute. The Arabs brought him flocks, 7,700 rams, 7,700 goats. He became more and more powerful simply for doing what God said. Here's one example of a guy who started out good, he finished bad. Uzziah. Okay, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. As long as he sought the Lord, what did it happen? God gave him success. His fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he became very powerful. However, after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he, he had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, excluded from the temple of the Lord. One more, lest you think this is just an Old Testament thing. Oh, we're, you know, I think this is why God gave this severe example at the birth of the church. Acts chapter five. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge he kept back part of the money for himself but bought the rest and put it at the apostles feet then peter said ananias how is it that satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the holy spirit god sees it all and have kept yourself some of the money received uh, for the lamb what made you think of doing such a thing you have not lied to men but to god when ananias heard this he fell down and what died on the spot And great fear seized all who had uh, heard what had happened. About three hours later, his wife shows up. Peter said, hey, tell me, is this the price that you and your husband got for the land? She said, yep, that's the price. Peter said, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? At that moment, she fell down at his feet and she died. Listen, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these things. You ever wonder about that passage? Whoa. Anybody glad that doesn't happen today? You ever wonder why God did such an extreme example at the beginning? Because whether we realize it or not, folks, we New Testament Christians still love up to that same purpose in God. They were a light unto the Gentiles. What has Jesus called us to be? A light and salt to this world. But it's the same methodology. Through our obedience to God, one, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the world sees that Jesus is the way out of this mess. Two, our obedience to God's commands today show them that after being saved before you get to heaven if you want to live the best possible life this side of heaven what do you do you obey what god says and so ananias and sapphire right from the start they were listening they were ruining this wonderful message from god and so he reacted the way he did obedience to him is the best possible way to go and i think that's why he put it about as blunt as he could in this passage this is one worthy of memorization Right, listen to this. 2 Chronicles 24, 20. Why do you disobey the Lord's commands? Why? What are you doing? What'd you say? You what? You will not prosper. Can you get any more blunt than that? What are you doing this? How many times are you gonna get burned? How many biscuits got exploded in the back of your head? You will not prosper. In fact, there's such an obvious truth even this guy gets it. Watch this.
1: I think that if you're a true Christian, you don't consider Christianity just a part of your life. It is your life. And if you follow the teachings of the Bible, specifically uh, Mark 1615, which says, go out into the world and preach the good news to all creation, then uh, you have an obligation to share that faith with others if you saw a building on fire and you knew there were people in it, and you knew that you were capable of running in there and saving someone who wouldn't be able to help themselves, if you knew that you could help them, would you just stand there and do nothing? And unfortunately, by not clearly seeing the issue, I think that's what a lot of Christians do, is they just stand there. I think, by and large, most of it is that most Christians are not really well-educated as to their own religion's position on various issues. They consider worshiping Jesus to be part of their lives, but not their primary purpose. And I believe that true Christianity considers it to be the primary purpose. And if you're a true Christian, you believe that those who are not Christians, those who have not followed the teachings of the Bible, uh, that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, those people aren't going to heaven, they're going to hell. Hell's not a fun place. I have heard Christians definitely uh, that have the view that everyone is entitled to their own belief and that's not necessarily a bad position to have but if you believe that what they believe is going to earn them a place in eternal suffering then there's a problem with that in that you're allowing them to be tortured for eternity while at the same time believing that you shouldn't save them from that. It's it's very awkward. If you really believe that uh, people who are not Christians are going to hell, then that is a, a very serious consequence. And if you don't take that seriously, I think that you might be compromising your own belief system. Those who do take their faith seriously, they need to encourage or teach those who might not, how important that is. Sometimes I think Christians are afraid of being labeled as a Bible thumper or uh, to have uh, negative connotations associated with them. But that's not necessarily negative if you're a Christian. I think it's something to be proud of. There's nothing to be ashamed of if you're a Christian about the Bible or being a Bible thumper. It's something to be proud of. It's something that you take seriously. And it's something that you should encourage others to take seriously as well. And it might require you to challenge yourself to, you know, stand up in front of crowds, to talk to people that you don't know. Missionaries work in places uh, where the predominant religion is not Christianity, and that's a completely different scenario uh, than you know in most parts of the United States. But they they take it in stride, they accept it, and they move on. You shouldn't take rejection personally, but consider it uh, that you gave them a fighting chance. Give them a fighting chance at heaven, Uh, even if if you do have to uh, risk offending someone or risk a friendship. uh, It's a simple matter of weighing priorities. If I were a Christian, of course I would take the Bible seriously. I respect people who take their beliefs seriously. And I would take the Bible's teaching seriously. Among those teachings is the idea that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And those that accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior go to heaven. Those that don't go to hell. And the implications of that are very far-reaching. And you're an atheist? Yes, I sure am.
0: Atheist knows that if you profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ and a lover of God, there's some basic common sense things that should follow. And one of them is you take his truth serious and his command serious. And believe it or not, he's not the only one that said that. So did Jesus. John 14, 15, 21, 24. If you love me, Jesus says, you what? You will obey what I command. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's, that's your acid test. He's the one that loves me. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. I didn't say it, Jesus did. We're not saved by our works, praise God. But let's be honest, folks. If you sit there and say that you're saved, you love God, oh yeah. But if you could honestly give a rip about obeying him, no big deal, How far can you push that line? And you're not really truly born again. Anybody love Jesus? Anybody perfect? Put your hand down. (laughs) But even though you're not perfect, you want to live for him and obey him. Jesus said, that's what my followers do. And if your hand couldn't go up that last time, Something's wrong. And maybe you got something bigger than exploding biscuits on the back of your head. Maybe the reason why things aren't panning out for you is because you've never really been born again in the first place. Respond to Jesus today before it's too late. Amen? Let's Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you...